Awesome. A couple of quick announcements. Uh, one of them is in your bulletin. On April 15th, Rodrigo Marquez and a group of other musicians are going to be doing a praise and worship night over at Webster. It'll be on April 15th, so you might mark that on your calendars. It's just going to be a time where uh, we gather and worship the Lord in music, and so that should be a wonderful time. Also, back on the coffee bar is uh, the Zacchaeus dinner sign-ups for the month of April. That is, of course, Tuesday nights or whatever night works for you when you have the privilege of having Christy and me over to your house. Um, so if you want to do that, you want to sign up the signups. This month, there's only going to be a couple of Tuesdays uh, because we have some other commitments. So please do sign up. If you have already had us over, but you're thinking, it's been too long. I'm open. I'm open. Hey, we are going to begin a study. Now we finished the Gospel of John. And we are now going to begin a study in to the four words, the banners that we have back there that have been hanging up there for uh, a year now. I, actually, I think we hung those for Easter uh, 2015. Growing, giving, glorifying, and going. Four words. And the focus of those four words really is discipleship. The focus of those four words is to provide us a framework from which we can grow as disciples of Jesus Christ. Stop and think about it. Why are you here? Not here this morning, specifically. But why are you here? Why have you been created? What is your purpose in life? Well, from God's perspective, it is to bring you back into fellowship with Him through the blood of His Son, Jesus Christ, and to conform you and me into the image of Jesus Christ. That's what it talks about in Romans chapter 8. That we are going to all be conformed into the image of Christ. And part of that process is the process of discipleship. And this is a framework. It's just a framework. It's not the Gospel, but it is a way for us to understand how to become disciples. Now, many of you are disciples extraordinaire. You have been called by the Holy Spirit. You are walking with God. You are growing. You are giving. You are glorifying. You are going. You're doing everything that encompasses the life of a disciple. But there's always room for more growth, isn't there? Because remember, what's the goal? To be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. So that's a lifelong process. No matter how far you have come, there is more to go. But some of us have barely begun to walk that road. Some of us might be babes in Christ. Some of us maybe don't even understand what the concept or the, the terminology discipleship means. That's what we're going to be discussing over the course of the next four or five months. So, on Christmas Eve, I handed out these little booklets, the four words. And if there is anyone here today who has not received one of these, I would like for you to come up after the service and to get one of these. Very important. I want you guys to be reading through this booklet. Now, I'm not just going to be teaching directly out of this book. In fact, most of the stuff I'm going to be saying is going to be in addition to 
this booklet. We're going to go deeper. But I really do want you to be reading through this book uh, because there is some good scriptural information, foundation for becoming a disciple of Jesus Christ. Now, for any pastor who begins to teach on discipleship, um, it's a challenge. It's a challenge. Because part of discipleship, and I'm going to do this introduction this week and next week, part of the life of a disciple is death. Now, that sounds contradictory, doesn't it? Part of the life of a disciple is death. But Jesus said that if we are going to be disciples, that we must take up our cross and follow Him. Now, what is the purpose of the Roman cross? It has one purpose. What is it? Death. So Jesus said to us, take up your cross and follow me. In other words, the life of a disciple is the call to die to ourselves. And that's hard to preach. That's difficult to come in on a Sunday morning and hear. But Jesus also said something that I think factors into this discussion. Yes, we are to take up our cross and to follow Him, to take up our cross, to die to ourselves in order to become His disciples. But Jesus also said, He who finds His life in this world will lose it. But He who loses His life in this world will find it. That's a riddle, isn't it? What does He mean? What is Jesus talking about? Well, Paul speaks of it in Colossians chapter 3. In Colossians chapter 3, Paul gives us the frame of reference that we are to have as disciples of Jesus Christ. And this frame of reference is what will help you and me to take up our cross and to follow Him in this life. Paul says, Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with Him in glory. So Paul says that the reality of our lives as Christians is not in this world. The ultimate destination, the ultimate residence that we have as Christians is in heaven with Christ. And so Paul exhorts us to set our hearts on, set our minds on, set our vision on the things that are above with Christ. In other words, the life we live here, we are living with an expectation that it prepares us for eternity. I want to say that again. The life that you are living here on this earth as a Christian 
is absolutely and specifically designed to prepare you for eternity. James said in his epistle that this life is like a vapor. Here and gone. And for those of us who are entering into the latter stages of our lives, we can understand that. We look back and think, oh my gosh, most of my life has passed. It is truly a vapor. But the true life, the real life that we are building towards will never end. Jesus said, store up for yourself treasures in heaven where moth does not corrupt and thieves do not break in and steal. So the life we're living now, church, what you are experiencing from birth to death in this physical body is all ultimately designed for heaven. That's why Jesus can say, take up your cross and follow me. Because this life is not the culmination of your existence. And that is something that you must understand. Or else the life of a disciple becomes very, very challenging. Because you're torn between two worlds. Between this world and what you're trying to obtain and gain and possess and control in this world. And that promise of something else. But the disciple who has taken up his cross, who has died, who has done what Paul said to the Galatians, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but it is Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So again, that's the mindset. We're crucified. We have been crucified with Christ. We have taken up our cross. We are not setting our hopes in this life as disciples of Jesus Christ. Our eyes are set on heaven where he is. And that makes our priorities different. It makes the choices that we make different. Our value and our perspective of the world shifts when we look to heaven rather than earth. Now, that said, it's not the case that we should be so otherworldly that we're of no worldly good. You've heard that said before? Some, that someone is so focused on heaven that they can't get anything done here on earth for Christ? I believe that the, the truth is that the more we set our eyes on heaven, the more our focus becomes our life hidden in Christ. And Christ in us, the hope of glory. The more that that happens, the more we will impact our world for Jesus Christ. If we have that out of focus, and we're looking more to this, this life, this world, then I think we are of less eternal value. So I'm going to be preaching to you over the course of the next few months to let that truth of the gospel sink in, that you have been crucified with Christ, to take up that cross and to follow after him. Because Jesus said to, to Peter in, in Matthew chapter 4, I'm going to go through, through three different stages of the call to discipleship here this morning. In Matthew chapter 4, 
Verse 18, it says, As Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. And they were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Jesus said to them, Come and follow me, and I will send you out to fish for people. And at once they left their nets and followed him. So this is the call of Peter by Jesus. And notice, the very first thing Jesus says to Peter is to come and to follow me. Now what I want to say to you is that that is a command. And it's a command that requires a response, an active response. In order for Peter to fulfill Jesus' command to him, Peter had to take action. He couldn't passively sit by, continue to mend his nets, and cast his nets into the lake. He had to make a decision about his life at that point. He had to take action in order to follow Jesus. And I say that because it is true for us as well. When Jesus calls us into his family, when we believe the gospel and accept him as our Lord and Savior, there is an accompanying call to discipleship. You've received it. If you're a Christian, you've received this call to discipleship. It's not something that you wait for. Wait to hear. You've received it as a Christian. He is calling you into action to follow Him, to become an imitator of Him, to live like He lives. Notice there also that He gives to Peter and to Andrew a ministry. He says, I will send you out to fish for people. Christianity is an all-hands-on-deck proposition. Now, that's not always how it's played out. Last Sunday, these pews were full of people, but they're not full today. You've all heard the saying, the people who come on Christmas, Easter, and other special occasions. But the person who is taking up their cross, the person who has been called to come and follow, has been given a ministry that they are to fulfill. We're going to talk about this a, a little bit more. But I want to tell you, whoever you are, wherever you sit here this morning, if you're hearing my voice over the radio, if you have become a Christian, you have been given a ministry to fulfill. Now, that looks different for all of us. I'm standing up here because I've been called to be a pastor. But you've been called also to fulfill a ministry. And ultimately, that ministry is going to build up the kingdom of God. Sometimes people, when I'm I'm talking with them about this, will say, I just don't know what my ministry is. I don't know what God has called me to do. And I always tell them, put your hand to the plow. Just begin to serve. Begin to do something that is necessary. And as you begin to serve, as you begin to uh, be a ship in motion, God will direct you into what He has for you. But what I can unequivocally tell you this morning is God has a ministry for you. When He calls you, He puts you in the field of ministry to serve, just as He did Peter here. And then finally, 
at this first call, Peter and Andrew left their nets and they followed him. In other words, there's a part of the call to discipleship that involves forsaking our earthly life, our worldly possessions. Not that, that again, and we'll talk about this a lot as we go through this study, not that those things aren't important, but those things aren't our priority any longer. Those things are used in order to meet the needs of the kingdom of God, to build the kingdom of God up. We forsake all of those things for the call of Jesus Christ. So, Peter here receives his first call. And that call is a call to action, a call to ministry, and a call to leave behind the things of the world. As he continues on in service and in following Jesus, there will be a focusing of the call in Peter's life. And again, this is true, I believe, of each of our experiences as Christians, as disciples. We receive that first call, but then there is a focusing of that call in our lives because we begin to grow. We begin to learn from the Word of God who the Son of God is and how we interact with Him and relate with Him and what that understanding means. Jesus said in Matthew 7.13 that we are to enter through the narrow gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction. And many enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life. And there are only a few that find it. Now this is hard stuff, isn't it? These are the words of Jesus though. He says the narrow gate is the only way through which you can enter into life. And he further complicates this by saying there's only going to be a few that find it. This is hard for us in in our world today because we are very much in the church, I believe, as well as certainly in the broader world, uh, uh, familiar with the notion that Everybody gets into heaven. If you just are a good person, you're going to get there. And that's not true. It's not true. And this is a part of the focusing of the call. This is a part of where we have to begin to understand that Jesus is the way and the truth and the life. And there is no way to the Father but through Him. He is the singular path through which people can come into life. And if they reject Jesus Christ, if they go into some kind of other pathway, even though it looks broad, even though everybody is traveling it, they will not find life. This is part of the focusing of the call. Jesus asked his disciples, he said, who do people say that I am? And the disciples responded, well, some people say that you're John the Baptist, risen from the dead. Others say that you're Jeremiah or one of the prophets. And Jesus asked them at that point, who do you say that I am? Now, this is the focusing. This is the part where Peter's received his first call, but there's a focusing of what that call means. And Peter responds and says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Peter understood. He knew that narrow path 
He had followed Jesus long enough to understand how to receive life. And as we grow, church, as we spend this next few months teaching on the concept of discipleship, the four words, Jesus Christ specifically, I'm going to say some things that you're not going to like. They're going to be hard things to hear. They're going to come from the Word of God. Hopefully they will not come from the imagination of Greg Meyer. But it's a focusing of your call. It's a distinguishing of what Christian discipleship is versus religious activity. And so what I am saying to you this morning as we move into this study is there are going to be some challenges that you are going to have to confront as a Christian. Things that the Word of God is going to speak to you that you are going to have to chew on. You might even have to chew the cud a little. Now, there's some ranchers out there that know what that's all about. Regurgitate it up and chew it again. Because it's hard. It's hard. But there is a focusing of the call, a narrowing of the pathway. And we need to understand that. I would not be a good pastor and shepherd to you if I did not speak the truth to you in love. So I'm going to do that. But hopefully, just as Paul said to the Galatians, I will not become your enemy by having told you the truth. I'm telling you the truth because I love you. And I want all of us to grow together into this experience. This church is going to face some challenges. I told you a few weeks ago about the the sense that I had uh, in prayer from God that God wants to do a work in this body. That there is new wineskin being fashioned by God in this congregation so that he can pour into us new wine. This study is going to be a part of that. There will be a focusing of your call. What you understand Christianity to be and what you understand following after Christ to mean. That's going to be challenged. But it's a good thing. It's a good thing. We all know the story. Peter, after having walked with Jesus for three years, when Jesus was betrayed into the hands of the Romans, denied him three times. Peter, the one who had proclaimed that thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Peter, the one who will later preach on the day of Pentecost. The leader of the apostle band denied that he even knew Jesus Christ to a little slave girl. He was so fearful. But after Jesus' resurrection, and we talked about this a couple of weeks ago, but it absolutely fits into what I want to say to you this morning about the call to discipleship, the call to follow. We receive that first call, and we receive it gladly. We're happy to follow after Christ. I still remember the summer of 1982 when I became a believer. My life was so dark. The light became so brilliant in my life. I was thrilled to follow after Christ. 
I was rejoicing. I remember one time in front of the Eastgate City Market, walking, just being so full of joy, thinking, wow, this is great. I get to follow after Jesus. Life is going to be so good. Life is going to be so easy. That's not what happened. There was focusing of my call. Different things that happened in my life that I was taught through experience, through the Word, that focused me more and more on Jesus and less and less on myself. Same thing happens to Peter here. Peter failed. He fell short of what he would have hoped he could have done just as all of you will, just as I have. This is part of the Christian call. You will fall short. You will fail. But that's only so that God can teach you, so that He can grow in you the character of Jesus Christ. So what does Jesus do for Peter? When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? And he says, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And he answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? And he said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. So Jesus here sets the foundation. The foundation for ultimately fulfilling the call in service is loving him. It's not a knowledge of the word, although that is wonderful. It's not observing Christian holidays, although that is fine. Ultimately, the power that you are going to experience that enables you to fulfill the call that God has on your life is love, loving Jesus. Jesus said, by this, all men will know that you are my disciples if you have love one towards another. And so here, Jesus establishes it for Peter three times. He says, Peter, if you love me, then fulfill the call that I have given to you. Feed my lambs, tend my sheep, feed my sheep. Now, he tells him, very truly, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. And Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. Talking about the fact that Peter would be crucified. And again, this is the same message that I was talking to you about earlier that we're going to talk about in more depth next week is taking up your cross. In order for Peter to fulfill his call, he had to love Jesus. But as a part of fulfilling that call, he was going to have to lay down his life for Jesus. And then after all of that, after the first call, after the focusing of the call, and after this reestablishing Peter's fulfillment of the call, Jesus said to him, follow me. 
And that's what he's saying to us this morning. I believe it's what he's been saying to the church for 2,000 years. It's follow me. Come and follow me. Take action. I will give you ministry. Yes, you're going to have to forsake this world. Yes, you're going to have to lay down your life. But the life you receive eternally is going to be so much more fulfilling, so much more wonderful, so much more what God wants than anything we could ever hope to receive from this world. So, here we are. The call to discipleship. The four words. Growing, giving, glorifying, and going. We're going to get in deep with these four words. And hopefully, by this fall, we are going to be a church ready to rock this community. Ready to impact our world for Christ just like the early church. I don't know how many people are here this morning. 100, 120? It's about the same amount that were in the upper room on the day of Pentecost. And from that humble beginning, the world, the Roman Empire, was turned on its head. Do you think the same thing can happen here? Amen. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the promise that you have given to us through your word that you love us and you'll never leave us or forsake us, but also the challenge that you have given to us to come and to follow. And Lord, I pray for myself and each and every soul here this morning, from the youngest to the oldest, all of us are on a path with you and we are in the process of following you. Help us, Lord, to continue that and to more and more each day grow into your very image. In your name we pray, amen.